Hi everybody, this is Lori Weaver. Welcome to Compulsive Overeating Diary, day 90. It's now been 42 weeks, one day since I began this experiment where I talk about my thoughts and feelings about compulsive overeating rather than heading for the chips. And today is jam-packed with fun, drama, tears, joy, gratitude, and every other emotion in the book. That's right. After we come back from listening to our inspirational snippet of I'm Letting Go by Josh Woodward, I'll share a recent event that taught me in spades what I need to let go of today. Then no announcements, just gratitude. We'll hear from Donnie, Stephanie from Quebec, and my own hubby Mark, what they're grateful for, so near to holiday season. And we'll conclude this segment with my gratitude for Maria from a Spanish-speaking country's latest bravery. Then I'll ponder my feelings about my last episode recorded in Ventura, hear from Sue from the UK about her feelings, and then go full bore into a blog post I wrote on a horrible, windy day. And some of the really great comments I received, including those from Amy from Wisconsin and Pat, who both go smack onto the bravery report for what they have to say. By the way, if I don't read your comments, it doesn't mean you are not on the bravery report. Every single BC who posts publicly for all to see deserves his or her spot on the bravery report. Then after that drama comes some fun. A few weeks ago, my voice acting scene partner, Ty, and I hit a spot out of the park. It was especially happy for me because this spot is actually close to doing a dreaded character voice. Finally, since so many of us have been debating and struggling with ourselves around the topic of intuitive eating, Mark stepped up and agreed to be interviewed about his take on the whole thing and his view of what it is, how it's different from dieting, and how he wishes I would proceed from this point. So in this time of gratitude and holiday busyness, let's listen to Josh and then see what I need to let go of today. But I'm letting go. Josh, I'm so glad to have this chance to sit here in my local park under the podcast tree on the podcast rock and to be grateful for the lesson that I had to learn yesterday. Now, those of you that are subscribed to get the blog posts on compulsiveovereatingdiary.com know about this because I posted about it last night. But my little cat, Tiger, the little orange cat with no tail, he escaped outside the back door last night and it was my fault. That's right, I left the back door open not realizing that the screen door was not shut and he snuck out there. Now Tiger is an indoor cat, absolutely indoor for lots of reasons. Some of them are that in our neighborhood, besides having a lot of fast traffic that goes across our street, we also have coyotes, owls and other wildlife. And after the sun goes down, oh man, all bets are off. And I have personally seen a coyote swallow Tiger's brother. And I tried my best at that time to stop the coyote from eating that cat and there was no stopping it. Those coyotes are fast and with our time of drought and the animals coming down from the foothills, a little slow moving cat like Tiger is a tasty treat, a big mouthful, and it was really a terrible thought that he was out there in the dark. 
Now, sometimes he has escaped in the daytime and we can't find him. And he has thought that to just go under a bush in our backyard and hide. And I think he is very tickled by hearing Mark and I go out calling for him, tiger, tiger, where are you? And then when he gets hungry, he comes out. But he's never done that for more than say half an hour. And he's never done that at night. So man, Mark and I were out there with flashlights, ladders, looking up over our, you know, our backyard fence, crawling around under every bush, cutting back foliage, going around to every neighbor, looking under their cars, calling for him for hours. And finally, we just came to the conclusion there is nothing more that we can do. There is just nothing we can do. Either that cat is gone or he will come back. And this was very scary. And it was very hard that it had been so long since we'd heard any sound from him or that he was around. Since he's not a cat that has been outside and been able to go wandering, we weren't even sure that he knew if he got frightened or scared and ran away, how to get home again. And because he's an indoor cat, he did not have a tag on him and he isn't microchipped, something that Mark and I intend to rectify as soon as possible. And it was just very hard. So I posted the blog post that I did, the very short one that basically said, my cat is gone and I'm sad and I'd be willing to weigh 300 pounds forever if only Tiger would be okay. And I realized at the moment that I wrote it, that I absolutely meant it. And so what I need to let go of today is being so obsessed with my physical body. That's right, to see how my life is going by what the size of my body is. I realized all at once last night, thinking that I was losing my little cat tiger. And by the way, he did eventually come home He's okay, even though it took us many, many hours. He kind of got stuck behind our back fence neighbor in a place where it wasn't easy for him to get out. So it took us quite a while to get him so that he could get out. And then it took us quite a while for him to get hungry enough that he decided it was okay to come in. So he's okay. But I realized missing him that the size of my body meant zero, absolutely nothing. I guess... I kind of had a mini deathbed experience, even though I was not on my deathbed. I guess it was kind of like a mini, what if tiger's gone experience. And how much I love that cat isn't even funny. Now, Mark and I don't have children. So we put a great deal of our emotional energy into our cats. Let me tell you, those cats are the luckiest cats in the world. They are spoiled rotten and we love them and we're emotionally invested in them, maybe beyond what some people would be for their animals, even though most people that have any kind of pet love their animals. But let me just tell you, for me personally, Tiger and Gracie are my family and Tiger especially is my baby. He's with me all the time. He sticks to me like glue. He's with me for every single podcast that I edit. He's there at night. He's there in the morning. He's there all the time. And he is my emotional cuddly blanket, that one. He is very cuddly and loving and fulfills a lot of that with me. He makes my life filled with joy that I've had the privilege of getting to know him and be with him and share my life with him. 
and thinking that he was gone, oh, my heart literally broke. My heart literally broke into pieces. And I thought about the people in my life and how it's felt to lose them. And I thought of other animals that have been in my life and how much it hurt to lose them. And I thought of the situation in the world, of the different things that are full of fear and the people that are in need. And I just it just hit me kind of like a huge full-on worldview, just how unimportant my physical body size is. Does that mean I wouldn't give up doing this show or thinking about my compulsive eating patterns? Absolutely not. It's just another step, I think, in my progress where I realize that my body has nothing, nothing at all to do with what's really important to me. Love is what's important to me. The love that I share, the love that I receive, the love that I give, love in the world, love for people, love is very, very important to me. My body size is not. My body size is at best inconvenient. It's inconvenient to be bigger and not able to sit in chairs. It's inconvenient when I'm injured and can't go hiking. It's inconvenient when I have a cold and it's hard to breathe and I don't feel well. But all of those things are inconvenient. They're not the end of the world, and they're certainly not something for me to have invested so much of my emotional energy into. Looking back on it, now, I don't get mad at myself for it. I don't say, Lori, what an idiot you were, or how could you, or any of those kinds of thoughts. It's just almost like, you know, there's some of these pictures. There's one that's famous that's like an old woman, if you look at it one way, and a young kind of can-can dancer, if you look at it the other way. And depending on how you focus, you see one picture or the other. And it's kind of like my life last night hit that tipping point where I looked at my life with new eyes and said, wow, I get that your eating issues have protected you from other things, from feeling bad, from other disappointments. I get that this is a habit. I get the food tastes good. I get all of this. But the size that you are, the weight on the scale, what label says in your pants, none of that is a hill of beans compared to is Mark safe and okay and happy? Are my family doing well? Are my cats safe, alive, happy, having good quality of life? Is the world doing well? Are people doing well? Are my neighbors doing well? Those are the kinds of things that struck me. And it made me happy that I'm doing this show because you, brave companions, have given me the privilege of knowing that sometimes these things I think about help you. And by helping you, it helps me. Does that make me selfish? I don't know. But it really makes me feel fulfilled. And maybe that's why I get in really kind of whiny moods and crybaby moods and feel sorry for myself when I don't hear from you because it really does make what feels like kind of a selfish, self-absorbed pursuit feel like something that's worthwhile, something that's good, 
something that isn't just about me and my body, something that means that I mattered, that I lived, something that means that's it, I mattered. <laughs> I guess it was my deathbed thought. If I were to die today, I would think back on all I've done and the people I've met and everyone I've loved, cats, people, everyone, and this show would be one of those things that would put a smile on my face as I close my eyes because I feel that this show mattered. Well, this seems like a great time to share the gratitude that you all shared with me. Last show on day 89, I asked you if you wouldn't record something you're grateful for and send it in. And first up, we're going to hear from Stephanie from Quebec, followed by Donnie, then my own hubby, Mark. I am grateful for my wonderful boyfriend, very supportive, very loving, very nice to me. I'm also grateful for uh, my daughter. She's got great values. Um, I'm grateful for my job. I love my job. I love my students. I love my coworkers. I'm grateful for my family. I have, uh, you know, close family. And also I'm grateful that I have, you know, enough money to not worry about, you know, basic needs um, and enough money to be able to uh, give us, you know, some fun times also. I'm grateful for the BC community. Um, you know, I'm grateful for life. I'm, I'm happy I'm healthy. I'm happy I'm mentally doing well. And, um, you know, I feel, I feel wonderful. So thanks for this. Bye. Hi, Lori and other brave companions. This is Donnie. And I was calling to give a thankful thanks um, for the Thanksgiving episode that I'm excited for to debut, but I am thankful for this podcast. I'm thankful for Lori. I'm thankful for Lori's blogs. I'm thankful for my family, and I'm thankful for my physical abilities that I'm able to learn, that I'm able to um, ambulate and take care of myself, and that I provide for my family. And sometimes it's hard to realize that thankfulness in that stuff because sometimes it can be frustrating but I am really truly thankful for all those things and I thought that I would call and give thanks thanks have a good day hi I'm Mark and what I'm really thankful for is I'm thankful for Thanksgiving because it's a it it's really good to have a day where you can you know forget your problems and just reflect on how lucky you are and uh a nice meal is good to go with that, too. And, and a nice wife. Nice wife makes a nice life. I'm not buying that was spontaneous. Uh, oh, well, uh, maybe I had a few cues. Are you telling the listeners you're not really no. thankful that you're married to me? No, no, I'm very thankful for that, but... You know, that I'm thankful every day for that. Thanksgiving is, is a time to be thankful for all the rest of the stuff. Oh, thank you, honey. Well, I'm thankful that you're willing to come onto this show. And I'm thankful for all of the years that we've had together because you're really my sweetie pie. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing that gratitude with me. I really enjoyed hearing your thoughts on that on this holiday season. I'm glad that you guys have positive, good things to focus on. I think that's something great for us to do every single day. And I wanted to add my own special gratitude. And that is for because, and that is because Maria from a Spanish speaking country decided to be brave and send me this little snippet of her voice so she could be known to you on this show. And I wanna to read to you first just a little bit of her email where she attached her recording. Hi, Lori, I'm sending you a hello. I didn't think that sending voice was going to be so difficult. I don't mean the technical part. If you receive the sound, that means that I have done it right, which has been easy, but the emotional part. I wanted to say thank you for your bravery and affection, and I haven't been able. It shocks me how difficult it is to show ourselves, even our voices. And so, brave companions, I'd like to introduce you to the lovely Maria. Hi, Lori. I am Maria. Bye. Thank you, Maria. And since you are so brave as to speak some English here on the show, I am going to be brave and do my best to speak some Spanish back to you. Hola, Maria. Esta es Lori. Adios. Now, I don't know if I said that well. But brave companions, I think it's great for us to go out of our comfort zone and I really appreciate what Maria did, and I really loved hearing her voice. And I would love to hear your voice too. Go ahead and call the Bravery Hotline and just say hello, or read a joke for foolish fun, or send me a voice message, anything. I think it's really wonderful when we get to hear the actual voices of each other. I wanted to talk a little bit about last show that I did in Ventura along the coast where you could hear the waves and the seagulls and the kind of sounds of the sea and I thought that was a really cool show and I was frankly kind of disappointed that days and days went by and nobody said anything and I said well either they're all busy or this really sucks or you know I don't know what but I was feeling all sad about that and you know how I get, sometimes I get super pathetic and this happened to be one of the weeks that I was. But I also want you to know this was before, just before Sue from the UK did post this affirmation. This is what Sue had to say on day 89 about my thoughts on letting go of our past lives. Sue says, your thoughts on letting go of past lives struck a chord with me. I think I also need to let go of comparing myself with my peers as it inevitably makes me feel as if I have achieved little in comparison. I suspect these sort of thoughts hit many at this time of life. Great podcast. And my thoughts on what Sue had to say. Hug Sue, I'm glad you got where I was coming from on that topic. I agree that maybe it is age talking a little bit, but I also think it would have been a grand skill to have developed earlier in life. I too compare myself constantly and that has never worked out to my benefit. I have a different body type, a different way of expressing myself, a different everything, just as every person ever born has. Even identical twins have different experiences and different points of view. I have more blessings than many people and still find room for dissatisfaction if I let myself. 
I have a life full of regrets. But when Mark and I actually take time to take stock in what we have that is positive, it makes such a difference in our lives. Yes, it is very hard to admit we aren't spring chickens. It's hard to think some of our adventures are no more. But it is wonderful to still have different adventures to try and a shared history to remember. Sue, you are a wonderful, caring person and are a wonderful, caring parent. I bet you have plenty of other successes as well. But after those two, from my perspective, they are but gravy. Hugs, hugs, hugs. And as I said, brave companions, I totally get it that it is my responsibility that I feel the way I do. Sometimes I post what I think is the grandest, best, either blog post or show ever, and nothing. Crickets, literally crickets, just like I'm hearing right now, sitting here in the park in the twilight as the sun is coming down. The crickets are out, and that's all I hear on some of those shows. Other shows... I don't know, I think, eh, okay. And people come out of the woodwork and post and have comment conversations, and I can never tell which one is which. And honestly, you know, it just depends on how it strikes you, whether you want to put a comment down or not. It's really nothing to do with how well I did or didn't do because my show is pretty much all the same. How do I feel today? This is it. Has anybody said anything? This is what they said. <laughs> I mean, that's basically our format. It hasn't changed much, and I don't see it changing a lot. What does change from week to week and day to day is how I'm feeling about myself. And this blue feeling I mentioned spilled over into stress on a very windy day. And I don't usually read my blog posts for you on the show, but this one and some of its resulting comments lead nicely into teaching me what I need to be thankful for in this holiday season. Okay, my blog post was called Travails on a Windy Day. And here's the caption to my traditional selfie that I took in front of my computer. Already antsy and anxious from relentless winds smashing against my windows, I ponder if I want to distract myself on the computer or if the deafening silence there will drive me batty. Wind. Mark and I had decided to ride the river today. Yay! I've been not exercising since we got back from our mini break to Ventura as I've had singing to practice, voice acting to rehearse, and moods to wallow in. I was happy and excited to get out of the house, back on the saddle, and pedal my blues away. Problem is, Mother Nature had other plans for us. Where we live exists an anxious-making freak of nature called the Santa Ana winds, a.k.a. the devil winds. They roar down from the high deserts through the mountains where I usually hike, tear the palm fronds from the trees, batter our yard with debris, and my brain with headaches and anxiety. I'm not alone in this one. The Santa Anas stir up mold, pollen, other nasties, and rapid changes in air pressure just make us jumpy and uncomfortable. Even the cats huddle under the bed for these events. And it's no secret either that I've already got a whopping case of the blues from feeling alienated lately from my audience. This is not your fault if you are actually reading this. This is also not your fault if you are not. It is me feeling vulnerable, not sure, and externally comforted again. It is me wondering if, in fact, I am full of shit and have been living a life of denial. Whoa, strong words there, Lori. Yep, the Santa Anas do little to ease my compulsive fears and obsessive thoughts. I feel the tree behind our home will topple and crush us. I feel 1,000 hammers inside of my head picking, picking away at everything I think. 
I feel forsaken as a forgotten cork bobbing in an endless ocean. I feel a pinprick of light in a field of stars so large that no one can ever hear me scream as these crappy, relentless winds keep on coming wave after wave after wave. Yep, there's a hint of depression and crazy there. The winds do not help. Solution number one. There is a photo of my comfy blue sofa. Ah, the sweet comfort of wearing your PJs past noon and curling up in this tender womb of blankets while turning off your brain with mindless, brainless junk TV. Luckily, food is no longer a necessary component of this one, but my sweet, sweet sofa is right by the damn window where the gusts of wind are rattling my nerves at my brain. Crap. Solution number two. And here is a photo of my first art drawing that I've done in over 15 years. Let's capture all of these feelings with art therapy. Yay! Pretty cool. Just draw. Don't think. Don't judge. Hmm, Lori, you don't draw as well as you used to. Shut up, Lori. We're feeling, not judging. Lori, yes, I don't think you have captured our feelings. I think you are scribbling for fun. Well, what's the F wrong with scribbling for fun? Nothing. It's just the wind isn't fun, and now you are making black marks over everything. Okay, good point. Time to stop while I can still see some of my picture. Now actually, brave companions, the art really was effective for a while, and I recommend just drawing as a cool distraction for as long as you can keep your judgmental sight out of the picture. Solution three. Well, since there is no way in ever living heck that I'm going walking or hiking in this weather, podcasting is definitely out. Besides, I'm still sad about the lack of comments from the last outing. Come on, Lori, give it a chance. Chance hell, I'm lonely, it's windy, and I have zero comments to play with to distract me. Note, this was before Sue posted on day 89. Again, not your fault if you are reading this, and not your fault if you are not. I am lonely, stressed by wind, and wishing all was rainbows and unicorns at the moment. Everyone seems to be on edge these days, especially me. It is easy to feel confident when the scale is going down, or the comments are flying in, or the bravery hotline is ringing off the hook. It is hard when the best you have is staying the same. When your show feels like it is losing ground and it becomes apparent there is much more internal work to do to keep the slings and arrows of a usual life from buffeting your mood like the wind. Sigh. Okay, I express my feelings. The wind is still blowing. But I do feel better. A tad. A touch. A teensy bit. I know that this true ranting and self-involved blog posting is not as fun to read as some of my more public moods. So don't worry if this writing is not for you, because this one totally, totally was for me. It was a way to get out of my head and onto the page. So if anything, this post is a good example of how to observe, detach, and to go about your own life knowing that I'm not asking you to fix this mood. You cannot fix this mood any more than you can turn off the wind that is playing havoc with my mind today. I have had a weird day today for sure. Doubtless, not the last. There is one positive though. With all the wind and emotions and inner turmoil, guilt, shame, weakness, and self-pity, not once today did I want to eat some chips. definitely one of my greatest rants of all time and I would not have bothered maybe to read it for you but I did want to read some of the responses I got on my windy day blog post so I'm going to share a few of these because my blue mood generated much food for thought and self-reflection and I thank you all for sharing with me 
Diane the Champion was first to step up with this comment. I have not listened to your past two podcasts because I only download because I only download them when I am in Wi-Fi and I've been out of Wi-Fi lately. Tomorrow. I used to be very active with blogging and it would frustrate and sadden me when I didn't have comments or when I had very few. I don't know why, but I just felt unloved or something. So I completely get what you're saying about lack of involvement from other Brave Companions making you feel blue. I'm still here reading and listening. XO. My answer to Diane. Wow, thanks so much, Diane. Today this wind is really getting to me. It makes me nuts. And even though I know in my head that people have busy lives and valid reasons that don't necessarily mean they don't like me or what I say, my heart is in the mood for loads of love and yay, we like you. We really like you. Unfortunately, just because I want that doesn't mean it's convenient. So thanks for validating that wish with your story. And I'm very, very glad you are still reading and listening. I don't have anyone else who understands what Body for Life series was like or how hard that was to do it back to back. People see me now and assume I have no discipline, but I do. I had and have discipline. What I didn't have was true understanding nor self-love. And since I lacked that for so long, it makes me crave it all the more from others. And that is just part of my process and part of the human condition. We all want love and understanding. Thanks for giving me some today. XOXOXO. Another thought-provoking response came bravely from Amy from Wisconsin. And Amy, you are firmly on the bravery report for this one. Hi, Lori. What a bummer that the wind and other circumstances are bringing you down. I've never experienced those particular winds, but I know that a very windy day tends to make me nervous. I think that's because I live in a wooded area and I'm always afraid a tree is going to fall on the house. If the noise is bugging, you put on some good noise blocking earbuds and listen to a podcast or a book. I'm amazed at how much my earbuds cancel out annoying background noise. I was going to share this in a private email, but what the heck? I've been thinking a lot about my own journey with intuitive eating, and your last few podcasts have helped me figure out where I am. I realized that the day I decided to jump on the intuitive eating bandwagon was the first time you mentioned that you thought you had lost a bit of weight on your journey. I'm simply not in a place in my life where I am okay if I gain more weight. I'm still in a place where I feel like I need to lose weight. So for now, I am sticking with attempting to apply many strategies of IE to a calorie counting plan. All foods are legal, but I still have to eat a reasonable serving and track the calories. I'm not hungry, and on those days I am, I eat more. Truth be told, I binged again since attempting this, so I am still stuck with the dilemma. No counting, and I overeat all the time. Counting, and I eat well, then binge. I think they're pretty much balanced in the overall calories, but they're both leading to weight gain. Can you feel my frustration? I so wanted IE to be the way for me, and I give you a ton of credit for sticking with it. Listening to you makes me wonder if I made the right choice, just like society is making you question your decision. I say we both look deep within ourselves, do what honestly seems right for us at the moment, and remember that we can change our mind if we honestly feel that we need to. I commend you for sticking to your guns, even if it means losing listeners. Keep reminding yourself that you are not doing this podcast to please others, but to help yourself in your journey. It just so happens that we get to benefit by listening in and chatting along the way. Hugs to you, Amy. And my reply. 
Hi, Amy. I'm glad you posted here publicly since your struggle is one I'm seeing played out over and over again among the BCs. So I think everyone's point of view is a good thing for people to see and to help them consider. I know how disappointing it feels to think that intuitive eating will help fix our eating issues and help us lose weight. In my case, I believe in the end I will lose more. But how long that will take, I have no idea. And I think there may be more ups and downs as I figure it out. For me, the best thing about all of these recent trials and tribulation, even seeing others go back to tracking in some way, is that I know even more strongly that this is the best path for me. For the first time, I am not thinking about food. I am not worried at all about holiday season, and it is all the same to me. Amazing! But I'm also not working and not needing to fit in my business suits anymore. I also have the luxury of time and space on most days if I need it, and I have my therapist to support me emotionally, not to mention all of you, XOXO. I am absolutely serious that each person has different causes, different needs, and different triggers that tell them where on the continuum of diets or non-diets he or she needs to be. The only way the methods of intuitive eating that I'm doing work for me at all is when I let go completely of my need to be thinner and really let it go. When I am in that space, then my eating is very different from, quote, non-dieting eating, unquote. The drivers to binge or to find food so tempting are just not there as much as before. And overall, my calories are down. But down calories for me means not gaining versus putting on 30 pounds in six months. For example, today Mark offered to go get fajitas from a favorite fast food place. But I wasn't hungry. So I said, no, none for me. You go on ahead. He decided to go another time when I was hungry for it, too. Now, this is delicious stuff, and normally, no matter how not hungry I was, I would want it. Today, I didn't. I didn't even think about it. This is how I see progress versus getting smaller sizes or numbers on the scale. I'm starting to get excited by these signs, but it is hard, and I have my days and nights of tears and wishing I was thin again. The difference in my case is I've done everything so many times that I know it won't help me in the long run that every successful diet for me will just be another ride on the compulsive, obsessive food wagon with binges on every other side of the restriction. No thin time for me has ever lasted more than two years. Fat and regain is much more prevalent in my cycle history, so I am pretty content to stay the same with no restriction and to keep on learning. It is a huge balancing act to negate binge calories. None of the options I can think of are very good. You are correct that the best thing, if you are restricting, is to restrict as little as possible while maintaining a deficit and to eat foods you love to make room for social eating in your plan. Still hard. In other words, I'm thinking the best success is to try for a half pound per week versus two pounds, etc. Give yourself loads of room to explore and to be kind to yourself. Negative talk and thinking never, ever motivates anyone outside a boot camp, and those poor schmoes have little choice in the matter. Anyway, I feel your pain and I'm glad you are here. Whatever way you go, I'll support that because only you can know what's right. And you are also correct that you have every right to change your mind if one path or another doesn't work in the moment. XOXOXO. And thank you, thank you, thank you for taking the time to share your thoughts and comfort me today. I so needed it and I so appreciate it. Thanks also to Donnie and Cheryl who left great comments on this topic and I'll leave links in today's show notes as they are certainly worth reading. I want to close with Pat's comment. Pat put herself on the bravery report also by stepping up to share this with us. 
Lori, I realize I've been listening to you and others working on eating intuitively, and I've stayed in my own learned little girl growing up kid habits eating style, a mouthful. And as I listen to your podcast and read others' posts, it thrills me that you, Stephanie, and others are out the door, on the bike, on the trail, even in the snow at the beach or on the L.A. riverbed, instead of falling to the chips while I sit on the computer, couch, or fall into eating what my friends, family, co-volunteers eat. Ah! I'm choosing to rely on what I know to soothe myself, old habits to make decisions for my food and everything else. After, and Pat describes a personal situation, I decided not to people please anymore. So now I don't people please. But after any situation with friends and or family, a meeting I go home and the first thing I want to do is eat. Because I can't tell myself I did a good job and believe it. Light bulb moment when I didn't agree or please someone or something. It's clear to me that I've been slacking and falling back for a few months. To listen to my own hunger, to make choices that will allow me to be healthy physically, mentally, and spiritually. I've been pretty quiet, listening, but not doing. What a light bulb moment for me. It just clicked in earlier and I couldn't wait to get home and type out my light bulb moment. So now I will start moving and practicing eating intuitively. And the best part now that I've typed this out, I know that by me being quiet, I am hiding and that is the root of my issue people-pleasing. It is so hard for me not to people-please. I sometimes would rather stay home and hide rather than turn someone down by not following their lead. Dang it, dang it. I see all of you BCs are honestly owning every part of things that could send you all back to the chips. I'm not a great writer, long story on that, but this is me. Oh, and I remember the Santa Ana winds. They used to be hot and dusty. In Issaquah here, the winds are cold. I miss the warm weather in California. Pat. Well, Pat, I thought that was a wonderful light bulb moment. And I say, hooray, you did a fantastic job writing out your thoughts and feelings about that. And I so agree with you that sometimes when we're feeling unsure and doubtful of ourselves, our first response is to isolate, hide, not speak up, not take risks, not be brave. And today you combated all of that. And I commend you. Pat, I commend you and I commend anyone who puts themselves on the bravery report by taking a chance, speaking up, doing something new, and giving life a try. I promised you all after the drama and all of the woe is me blue mood that I would share with you one of my voice acting lesson takes. And this one was really cool. This was done with my scene partner, Ty Nielsen, who is an aspiring podcaster and actor, and he's really, really wonderful and good. And I'm going to give you both takes because it's pretty amazing how well that we did. And this was a spot for Target Pharmacy where one of us is supposed to have a terrible reaction to ragweed and the other one is supposed to be one of our good friends and so we sound like friends. And anyway, the first time up is Ty being the one with the runny nose. We're rolling on Target and this is take one. Uh, you know what it's like when the ragweed kicks in. Sure do. Not fun. No way. My eyes well up like I'm chopping onions. Like a bully stole your lunch money. Like my team just won it all. Like you just got crowned Mr. Universe. Like I'm a pageant-winning, championship-celebrating, lunch-money-losing, onion-chopping mess. That's what ragweed does to me. Is that what it does to you? Used to. Not anymore. Not anymore? Target Pharmacy. Target Pharmacy? Target Pharmacy.
you know, that was an excellent read. I mean, seriously, that was just a, a, a superb first take on this one. You made sense of everything. Just, just working, uh, 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 starting with Ty. Ty stayed. He once he established that tone of voice, and you could hear he was miserable. He stayed miserable all the way through, all the way through, and even at the end. When he got to Target Pharmacy, they could help me? Oh, my God. So he, you could hear that he was, he, even though he felt like crap, two pounds of crap in a one-pound bag, he was still relieved at the end. Lori was absolutely there to reassure him he was going to get help. There was no question in, in her mind that she was, he was going to get help. She was confident. She listened to what he was saying. She was empathetic to what he was saying, not just sympathetic, and kept it going. You guys, your timing was really, really solid. Your energy solid. Your articulation solid. You were an excellent team for this. You would, the two of you, would be a viable team for auditions to be considered for something like this. You really, really put an excellent, you did an excellent job on that take. Let's, I, I have nothing, I have no Changes, no pickups. You you really nailed that spot. Mark, are you all right? Uh, no, no. It's just, I, again, Target. I'm just telling them the truth, and 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 you just you really really did an excellent job with that take, um, to the point where I, you don't need any pickup lines. Um, you, you you just nailed it. Let's flip rolls. Okay, brave companions. Wasn't that take awesome? Didn't Ty do a great job? Now imagine you're me, Lori, who to date has really sucked at having character voices, who just heard her scene partner do a perfect job at this part, and I have to go in the next two seconds. Well, how effing scared do you think I was? Well, if you guessed a whole lot, you're right. But I thought, what the heck, I might as well give it a go. So the next take is me having the stuffy nose, and Ty being my good friend. All right, then. I guess I know what to do now, huh? Yeah, Use, yeah. I'm going to turn around and face the other way and uh -huh. operate these okay, two faders. Okay, all right, good idea. Uh, this is second crew, take one. You know what it's like when the ragweed kicks in? Sure do. Not fun. No way. My eyes well up like I'm chopping onions. Like a bully stole your lunch money. Like my team just won it all. Like you just got crowned Miss Universe. Like I'm a pageant-winning, championship-celebrating, lunch-money-losing, onion-chopping mess. That's what ragweed does to me. Is that what it does to you? Used to. Not anymore. Not anymore. Target Pharmacy. Target Pharmacy? Target Pharmacy. Your time was terrific, 29.7. Your time was excellent. You know, Lori, I, that was, that's, that's one of the best things you've done so far. It was just, just great. Your voice was so cute. You sounded yeah, like you were just really absolutely good. beyond the beyonds miserable. And yet, your voice was just so cute, Target Pharmacy. <laughs> and you, the way your voice broke uh, was right on the money. So it was, it was as a, so you were sympathetic. Initially, I was thinking, oh, I, I'm not, be, not sure if I could listen to her, you know, whine all the way through. But the thing is, you mitigated that whininess because, again, we understood that you were feeling miserable. So that read perfectly. But at the end, you even made it better. 
You even made it better by having your voice break a little bit, uh, hearing that relief in your voice. Um, and, and Ty, again, you understood, both of you understood your roles really, really well. Mm-hmm. And you stayed with them. You were very, very consistent all the way through. I didn't flag anything in that take either. You got two for two. You hit the ball out of the park, both takes. Come on in, kids. Yeah, I think from now on, I think Lori should whimper and whine on everything. <laughs> she does it so well. Wow, what do you think about that? There, my wonderful teacher and director, Mark Cashman, said I had a cute, whiny voice, and engineer Jim is the one who says, well, we should let, War- <laughs> we should let Lori whine about everything. She does it so well. So I don't know if I want my typecasting to be the one who whines really well, but I was so relieved that for once I did a character voice that didn't suck, that it really made my day. Something else that really made my day is now I want to play for you an interview that Mark did about his take on intuitive eating. I hope you enjoy it. One of the things I'm thankful for is that Mark said that he's willing to tell us what he thinks of intuitive eating. You want to say something to the people? Hi, I'm Mark. (laughs) I think they know who you are, honey. You've been on the show lots of times. Well, good. Hi. Now, I've been practicing intuitive eating for about the last six months or so. And before that, I was either dieting or not dieting. What do you notice about intuitive eating? Well, I notice that uh, you seem to overall eat a lot less food. Compared to? What you ate before. Before when you'd, your portions would be a lot bigger and, um, and you eat more at one time. You mean when I'm not on a diet? When you're not on a diet, yes. What was my eating like when I was on a diet? Um, you would count calories and uh, and basically eat really be really careful about what you ate and uh, and spend a lot of time uh, trying to uh, figure out uh, what the best stuff to eat. Uh, uh, for your calorie calorie counting. So how were the portions on a diet compared to my portions now? Oh, I would say your portions were um, smaller. Well, that makes sense, right? What have you noticed about my weight in the last six months or so? It's gone down some. And, uh, you know, right now it seems to be on a plateau. It kind of seems to be staying the same for a little while. How long have you, would you say that my weight has been pretty much the same, giving 5 or 10 pounds? Oh, well, a couple months now. Yeah, and I say 5 or 10. I know for some people that's a huge weight swing, but for me that's actually not a big weight swing. But overall, the way I look... And when you put your arms around me and so forth, you feel that I'm pretty much been the same for a few months? Yes, you've remained the same for a few months. Okay, when I first told you that I was going to try intuitive eating, what did you think about that? Well, I didn't know what to think about, i tell you the truth. Do you feel like you have a pretty good idea what intuitive eating is now that I've been doing this for six months? 
Well, I think I somewhat have an idea of what it is. So if I was to ask you, in fact, I am asking you, Mark, could you describe for our audience? Now, to be clear, have you read any of the intuitive eating books or gone to any of those websites that describe it? No, I have not. So your impression is purely through living with me and, and me telling you that I'm trying to incorporate intuitive eating. Yes. Okay, so this should be pretty interesting. Just for your observations of me and the change in my eating habits, could you describe what you think intuitive eating actually is? Well, I think it's training your body to only eat when you're hungry and to actually eat when you're hungry and to stop eating when you're not hungry anymore. And I think that seems to be my observation as to what it is. Yeah, I'd say that's true. Have you noticed changes in the type of foods that we have around the house? Yeah, it, we have a, a bigger variety of foods around the house uh, now, where before we had a lot of restricted uh, items. So one of the ones, like I talked about in a show or two ago, I've been legalizing potato chips. So could you tell the listeners... What have you noticed about potato chips in our house since I've been doing that? Well, before, potato chips, if we got a bag of potato chips, they seemed to disappear pretty quick. And I think, you know, that wasn't all me. So now we get a bag of potato chips, and sometimes they last over a week. So that's pretty uh, different than it was before. Have you observed me actually eating potato chips since I've been legalizing them? Uh, yes, I have. And how often would you say I'm eating potato chips? Oh, I don't know. Probably once or twice a week. <laughs> well, you're giving me some benefit of the doubt because I would say that almost every day, though, there have been days when I haven't eaten any. Uh, when you see me eating these potato chips, like, what's the manner of how I eat them? Like, are, is it fast? Is it slow? Is it like a huge amount of potato chips, in your opinion? No, I think you, you kind of usually get some dip and uh, you have a small, a, a small little plate of potato chips. That's basically how you seem to have been eating them. So, honey, when you've been observing me eating a serving of potato chips, how would you describe the manner that I'm, I'm eating them? Is it fast? Is it slow? How would you say that I'm eating these? I would say that you're eating them slowly. Now, do you remember me eating potato chips in the past before I was intuitive eating how I would eat potato chips? Yeah, you used to eat potato chips fairly rapidly and make a lot of crunching sound. <laughs> That's not surprising because potato chips are usually what I like to eat when I'm feeling stressed and nervous. And, and now I'm not making as many crunching sounds with my potato chips. No, you definitely eat them slower and there's not as much crunchy crunch. <laughs> <laughs> so Either that or you have soggy potato chips. <laughs> no, I assure you, I, d I don't. Okay, is there ever been a time in the last couple of weeks that there have been zero potato chips available in the cupboard? I don't think so. I think there's always been some there. Yes, in fact, there's been multiple bags there, but I hide some on the top shelf. Yeah, yeah, I guess you caught me on that one. I didn't know there were any on the top shelf, or maybe they wouldn't have lasted so long. Well, are potato chips one of your binge foods? Do you binge on potato chips? 
No, no. But when I'm hungry for potato chips, I eat some potato chips. Yes, when you're actually hungry for... In fact, that's an interesting question because I've told you before, Brave Companions, that I wouldn't call Mark an emotional binge eater. He does eat kind of large portions, though, when he's eating. But could you tell me, like, if you bought a bag of potato chips for yourself and I didn't get into them, how long might your bag of potato chips be in our cupboard? Up to a month. And when you decided, like, I'm talking like a regular bag, like Lay's, you know, four or five servings in that bag... How much of that bag would you eat when you became hungry for potato chips? Oh, when I became hungry for potato chips, I would probably eat a quarter of the bag. Okay, so you would eat like one or two servings. Yeah, probably close to one or, well, probably closer to two servings, yes. Okay, and then after you ate your potato chips because you were hungry for them, how often, like, how soon would it be before you felt hungry again for them? A while. Once I satisfied, you know, once I was hungry for them, and I actually had them, then I wouldn't be hungry for them again for a while. So what Mark's kind of describing is he is an intuitive eater. He does have a few pounds he might like to lose, but it's not because he's an emotional binge eater. He's just used to being very athletic in his younger days and being able to eat a whopping load of calories. And as we've gotten older... Well, his appetite hasn't shrunk down to his activity level, but Mark is definitely not an emotional eater like I am. So he kind of described for you what I'm trying to get to. So Mark, now you've seen me intuitive eating, you've seen me on diets, and you've seen me not on diets. And would you prefer that I stay intuitive eating, or do you think it'd be better if I go on a diet again and lose some of this weight? I definitely think uh, so far that intuitive eating really kind of emotionally stabilizes you. So I would prefer that uh, you, you try keep trying the intuitive eating as long as it seems to be working okay. Well, thanks, honey. You could talk about happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Well, there you have it. A husband's eye view of intuitive eating, what it's like, and how he feels about it. Thanks, Annie. You're welcome. Thank you, honey, for doing that interview. It really made me feel good to hear that from your point of view as my life partner, you support me. And I didn't coach him, I swear I did not, but he would prefer that I stick to the same path I'm on, which is very convenient because that's what I wanted to do, but it made me feel really good to hear it. So brave companions, until next time, have a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday if that's something that you celebrate and you hear this in time to have one, (laughs) or just have a great holiday in general or a great life in general and whatever you do, Remember, you are more than your body. You are so much more. Do something brave. Do something kind. Take care because I really, really care. I'm a slave without a master, heading for disaster, kicking up the dust in the middle of the road. I've been waiting on a free ride, ticket to a seaside thicket on the edge of Puget Sound. And there I'll sit, I'll admit that I was only just a guest inside my skin. And by the dawn, I'll be gone.
Silence.